Zone 3 Podcast, we are joined today by Dr. Samuel Farenholt, who is a physicist, actually works at the hospital that we work at. Yes. But first, we have to introduce ourselves. I am Robert. Yes, and I'm Reggie. This is Zone 3 Podcast, and you are? Samuel J. Farenholtz. Thank you. Nice, Dr. Farenholtz. Welcome. Yeah. That, that kind of doctor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the joke is poor house doctor, not money doctor. MD, PhD, not MD. Either way, you're oh, every money. money, poor house. I'm, I'm happy money with my, my job. And yeah. so is your mother-in-law, I'm sure. <laughs> Um, well, introduce yourself, kind of like where are you from, talk yeah. about your kids, if you have them, if your yeah. wife, if you love her, those sort yeah, of things. Yeah, I, I do love my life. <laughs> my <laughs> child's birthday is very soon. Okay. Yeah. Nice. nice. Uh, tomorrow. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday. Nice. Yeah. yeah. What awesome. age? She'll be three. Oh, wow. Three. Okay. It's a cute yeah. age still. Yeah. Awesome. You saw my kids as you are walking in. I did. Yeah. yeah. They're just good. They're still good. cute. They're still cute. Give <laughs> <laughs> it a couple more years. <laughs> but where are you originally from? Uh... The Kansas. So in the great rectangle of Kansas, mm -hmm. we've got Wichita in the sort of south central-ish. Oh, and that's nice. 500K city. And then I was on the suburbs of that. And I also lived on the way western edge of Kansas right by Colorado and like cut wheat in a harvester combine. You lived that life. Uh, just for one summer. But and wow. vaccinated a few calves, that oh, kind of wow. thing. So like, like a little bit of farming. Yeah. Yeah. Farm boy, I feel like that's a recurring theme on the podcast. Right? Really, artsy background and a farm background. Yeah, yeah. I'm neither. Me too. Well, we work with you mostly with when we see patients with devices yep. and implants, that's and right. that kind of gets us into our today's topic, which is pretty much star. And I'll, I'll let you kind of explain what that is and what it stands for. But first, I'm curious what how is what route got you into MRI? And yeah. At what point? Through yep. your education, did you decide that that's what you wanted to do? So I wanted to be um, save the world with nuclear fusion. So there's this idea if you in like Spider-Man 2, maybe, yeah. the bad guy, You're Doc Ock. speaking his language. Right? All right. <laughs> exactly. Doc Ock wants to s save the world with nuclear fusion. I want to actually do that. That's how I got into like physics. Okay. And I was maybe when I was 13-ish. I uh, went to college, year or two of that, and I realized it was going to be a pretty tough life to get there. It's uh, what I'd call uh, post-doc purgatory, where you, you finish your PhD and you do another training two or three years, and then another two years. Three. It was a very long road to where you'd get to like, really, where you really wanted to be. I realized that, and uh, I had an older sister who said she was getting her degree in neuroscience and, and said, I know people that are in medical physics. I think you would like it. And uh, nice. that's, that's how I ended up in medical physics. MRI, just because... Pretty early on, I don't know how it got in my head. I actually don't have a great story for this. I just thought it was the the coolest, the coolest, <laughs> right? Yeah, it was the coolest. Yeah. Okay, so, awesome. Cool. We agree. You're in good company with that. Yeah, good. Yeah. Uh, well, if you would kind of dive into it, what exactly is SAR? What does it stand for? Right. So SAR, SAR, SAR is specific absorbed rate, um, specific absorption ratio, um, and it is. The quantity of power uh, being absorbed in one kilogram of stuff. And so to get a little more breakdown, um, a watt is the, the unit of power. So joules per second. And so watts define things like the lights in here or your microwave, all, all sorts of things that are running. Or like that's your chargers made like a 45 watt charger or something like that. Right. Well, it, I know it's what, almost 117 degrees outside. So we yes. had to put a wattage on that. Well, so there's, <laughs> there is a solar like per me, per square meter. There's like a kilowatt, a thousand uh -huh. watts per something like that, a per square meter of solar energy. <laughs> right now, it's probably even more. It's, wow. it's nice. super high. Um, 
So that's like watts per meter. Now we're talking about watts per kilogram. Kilogram of what? We're talking about tissue. So chunks of body, like I weigh around 70 kilos. And if you irradiate me with a ton of joules per second, and then you average it out through my 70 kilos, it'll be something like one watt per kilo is like a typical SAR, two watts per kilo is normal mode. Um, and now we're talking about like regulatory limits. So there's right. um, normal mode is two watts per kilo in the body, 3.2 in the head. It's pretty much always 3.2 in the head. Like this is the part where you, you look at the um, disclaimer for this and like look it up yourself if you need, 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 need to know this, but it's 3.2 in the head, four watts per kilo is first level. And a lot of practices will run at first level. Some will, some will run just at normal mode. And then there's research where the gloves are off, but you will have, um, so infinite SAR, but like with care and with consideration, and it's always reviewed by um, an institutional review board. That's like research purposes, and people are like looking over your shoulder at what you might be doing in that environment. So clinically though, normal mode, first level mode. Yeah. And what would determine when you would get into first level and when you wouldn't? <clears throat> Going fast. I mean, hit pedal to the metal. Uh, you know, if you want to go faster, more SAR, usually. Um, it's pulse sequence dependent, though. So a lot of our anatomical imaging is that fast spin echo, turbo spin echo type sequences. And SAR, let's talk about where does the SAR come from when you're running an MRI? Yeah. It's the RF. So um, you... I'm trying to like how much image do I want to talk about there's <laughs> you start you kick it all off with an RF hit of 90 usually so like mm -hmm. most spin echo pulse sequences start with a 90 mm -hmm. and then you can refocus and get your echoes and your imaging done with 180 pulses that follow up and that's uh, the fast spin echo the turbo spin echo type right. type sequences so you're always going to get more star with a turbo spin echo than you would with a spin echo Short answer is yes. I mean, like uh, all things equal, yes. Okay. And, and so that's because, like, per TR, so you have a TR of a thousand milliseconds. A spin echo just has a ninety and a one eighty, and that the quantity of radiation you're putting in is due to that ninety and one eighty hit. Um, now, a fast spin echo is going to have a follow up of one eighties, um, and so you're getting per TR more of those hits. Um, the Flip angle will change SAR. So if you, oh, right. um, you can some pull sequences instead of actually having 180s, it's something different. It could be like 120, it could be 160. It's it's somewhere in the guts of your machine. It'll be choosing that, or um, or you can select it yourself. Some depending on the platform, right. and um, you'll reduce SAR if you have shallower flip angles. And f the math of it is if you double the flip angle, you're quadrupling the SAR. So it's, it's squared. So you can actually get a lot of SAR savings by cutting the flip angle. Oh. Um, so would you say that's the best way? That's one of the best one ways. One of the best ways, right? Like the simplest way and a lot of the automated ways, so the vendors will have like SAR assistants that sort of just do it for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they'll either just extend the TR, mm -hmm. and that just means like, this This is like an, a very lazy analogy, like. Think of SAR as running the microwave. Running the microwave at 100% is is like full normal mode. That's the two watts per kilo, 100%. Right. If you just do the same thing slower, so like 50%, now, now you have like more TR and uh -huh. it's just doing the same thing but it takes a longer time. Right. Now you can't do that 
infinitely because if you're talking about a T1 contrast or something like that, you'd start breaking the contrast you're trying to get. Mm -hmm. Like you can't have got to fall within your rules, That's right? right. Yeah, yeah, you start breaking your contrast rules right. eventually. Right. Nice. What would you say is the importance of like monitoring SAR? Monitoring SAR. Yeah, yeah. it's the context of uh, implants and active implants mostly. Mm -hmm. um, there are when you say active, like anything like with copper wiring or just There's anything wires, that has a battery pretty much batteries it's like zapping people in their spines to get rid of pain <laughs> i mean like there's really interesting devices that right um i only like tend to learn just enough to handle the they're, they're, the vendors should and they usually do have like a, a form that a lot tells you how you should be scanning this thing so oh, it's the manufacturer okay. that determines the saw restrictions yeah. and yeah. stuff like the that. manufacturer of the implant right yeah there. yeah Okay. What what would you say is sometimes the mo more challenging of the devices? Deep brain stimulators, man. Those are, those are tough. So the, the and lowest specifically limit. Specifically, like what sequence? Uh, those spin echoes um, sometimes stirs things that have more and more RF. So anything that has tons of RF, so right. turbo spin echoes and um, stir. So stir has a re, uh, the, oh, yeah. the knockout pulse for the fat. Mm-hmm. That's that's something, right? Um, oh, so I mean, and not to get too far off track, but so anytime that you're adding another RF pulse, so even like a pre-saturation band, would increase your SAR. That's also right. So you can cut uh, if you if you're digging deeper and deeper towards the bottom of that barrel of your tools. Yeah, uh, to attack it, uh, of getting that SAR low. Um, just get rid of that. Yeah, get rid of, get rid of that. Which is a thing right? I often do. Next doesn't change it, for instance, though. Um, oh, okay. Doing it that just means longer, though. Right. Now, like if you go from next one to do, you you doubled the time. Now, if you're trying to cut things, if you go from next to two to one, it's shorter, and that can help you because a lot of those vendors are going to say you can only uh, image this thing for thirty minutes or something like that. Yeah. So it. The SAR number really won't change, but you'll you'll get done faster. So right. So I imagine that with these devices, there's a workup process, and I and most of them are probably FDA approved to be MR conditional. Mm -hmm. Do you ever do any that are not FDA approved? Yeah, this and then that requires physician oversight. That that's where the physician is looking at. Sometimes it's going to be the ordering provider. Some, it depends on whatever practice you're working at. But uh, the ordering provider and the radiologist should have a conversation that they're comfortable with the risk benefit of the benefit of this imaging, like the diagnostic value of that scan versus the off-label risk and liability of so if something bad happens, you can't blame the implant vendor um, is, is kind of like what's going on play there. And with a lot of these devices, one of the restrictions is that you have to use a TR coil. Will you just kind of explain yeah, what right. the, the importance of that is and how that differs from other coils? So up till now, kind of assume that we've been talking about the body transmit, and that's where um, patients in the donut and um, a large parts of their body are being um, irradiated with that RF energy. TR coils, there's examples being like the birdcage head coil or the most maybe all knee coils. I mean, look at your knee coil carefully, but um, pretty much all knee coils that I've encountered these days are TR coils as well. So that mean, TR means transmit, receive. So that's a coil that does both jobs. Also the body coil, um, that is a transmit, receive coil. 
Um, so if you're not using any surface coils and you're just using, that's pretty uncommon that you'd be doing that, but that is also a transmit receive coil. And so focusing on just the head one or the knee one, um, the, the RF energy that's coming from the transmit part doesn't travel very much beyond the, the loops that you see on that coil. Um, and so what that means, as Robert's kind of pointing towards, is if you have implants that, and again, you have to look at the labeling carefully of the vendor, mm -hmm. but it will often say something like only transmit receive, and you have to landmark like on the nose. It'll say something like that. And that means that they're sure that this device is physically far enough, fi far enough away from, uh, from the head where it's actually being irradiated. Yeah. All right, so kind of get a little imagery from it. So pretty much what you're saying, too, about the coils is that the, the big body coil, the main magnet, BO, is mm -hmm. also a transmit-receive coil. Yes. So it's like a giant head coil, right? So when you're sending an RF using that coil, you're actually adding that RF to a lot of the extra body parts that you're not actually looking at. Mm -hmm. Versus when you're doing the, just the brain coil, you're actually being able to localize that RF a lot better. Yes. Pretty yep. much nice. Or, nice. or the knee. Let's talk about the or knee the a little knee. bit. Yeah. Why, why do they make knee a TR coil? Because they do not want the other knee involved? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So uh, that's an example of that RF energy being limited just oh. to the, the unilateral knee you're imaging, the bilateral, the contralateral, the, the right. other knee. Yeah. The other one, um, it won't get it. It won't get the RF excitement and won't end up in your image. Oh, um, I was, was, yeah, I was so totally guessing on that. I was impressed, man. That was yeah. quick. You know what I'm saying? Keep yeah. coming. Ah. I did not feed that. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is all very interesting to me. Um, right. What would, what is so far have you found to be the most interesting part of this? Because it's a challenge, right? It is. Um, it's evolving too, right? Because there's a bunch of ways that yeah. you can actually monitor that same type of. Uh, I guess I want to call it SAR, but. Um, energy absorption in the body or yeah it's the, energy absorption it's, yeah it's like, um and it is changing so it changes through um this is a part i don't exactly understand all of or even much of is is what the fda requires of a vendor um to get the labeling that they do so i know they test they test these things how much they tug how much they twist how much they absorb that rf energy how much they heat up and burn it's like the sorts of things they test outside of people um and then in clinical trials they look at them carefully and that sort of thing and the fda gives them you can they they submit to the fda as i understand it these are how we think we can scan it fda looks at their evidence and says yes or whatever and that's how the labeling comes up as a physicist, I don't get to see what evidence they submitted. So now we're kind of talking about if I wanted to assist physicians in looking at going off-label, it's, it's essentially never that I've seen um, the conditions in which they... So I guess what I'm trying to get to say is sometimes there's evidence that says do not exceed these and you'd, you'd start burning someone or like really catastrophic things would happen or it's like we just didn't test it we don't know so we're not, yeah, we're oh, not sure what you're saying yeah, yeah and yeah. from my perspective that can be pretty frustrating um in terms of thinking that I, I bet i could so going back to the tr coil so it's fairly once in a while there's situations where i think i bet i could scan it very safely like incredibly safely with a tr coil but it's not in the labeling because they probably didn't go to the trouble of testing, testing it. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And this situation, um, are you familiar with the street artist um, Banksy? So he... Actually, yeah, I am. 
Okay, so I think this call out to Banksy wherever you are. <laughs> Big uh, shout out. He's got a he's like a pseudonymed street artist that does these social justice. Does type. he do like like it's like a girl that pulls away That's like a, a thing? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like sometime later. We're I don't know, put a out. little... Could pull up something? Pull up something. <laughs> yeah. We Go ahead, Dave. Yeah. Um, Dave, wake up. Dave, wake up. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah. He's very attentive. Yeah. <laughs> we got his screen and screen. And Mark Physics is his favorite yeah. subject. Um, so, so Banksy, I wish he could go to the different vendors that are out there and do some graffiti saying how frustrating <laughs> it is to, to sometimes awesome. jump through all the hoops. Right. Another thing I say, yeah, here's some of the art. Some of it's just interesting. Some of it's like sort of social oh. commentary type stuff. So this would fall into so huh? social commentary. If you make side. a great Emiratic, that creative thinking, you know? Yeah. I like these sort of simplicity stuff. Yeah. It's real nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, so if he went and did that, I would appreciate that. I know, right? Banksy's, yeah. if you're hearing us, go to all the uh, okay. <laughs> manufacturers MR, of MRI uh, implants. MR version. Yeah. <laughs> 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 That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. well, I know because um, like Siemens has an SED, and then there's this B1 RMS. Right. So uh, like there's this this energy that everyone's trying to calculate, right? Mm -hmm. And I guess there's there's more and more ways, or at least I I was never familiar with B1 RS until just a couple of years ago. Um, and this is is are these something new? Like how different are these from SAR? I would say they are all pretty tightly related. Mm -hmm. So. Um, how to say, B1 RMS is newer, and it has the advantage of, let's actually reverse to SAR just a little bit. The, yeah, yeah. the different vendors have a model for SAR. They sort of have an assumed, and again, this is all very proprietary, and this is sort of just me like making it up as the narrative that's in my own brain of what's, <laughs> for what's going on. Robert do so all the time. Yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> it's like, good enough. Um, so they have these different models of different heights, weights, where you're scanning, and they will, they will either be more conservative or more aggressive. They're all pretty conservative, is my assumption, but like one vendor might be more conservative than another, say, whatever. Right. And um, it looks at I'm transmitting this much power, and this person's got this shape, weight, or whatever, and here's the SAR that comes out of it. They have this right. model, and it has some assumptions in it. B1 RMS is... And that's why, I'm sorry, with SAR, it's like body part-wise, or whole body, like that, kind of seen that on this camera, All of those right? things. So there's yeah. a whole body one, there's a head one. Um, right. If you're using just the TR coil, there's ones that they'll say they're just for like the irradiated part. Right. Stuff Hand like this. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yes. B1 RMS is more of a closer to just a physical measurement that's coming, like le very few assumptions go into B1 RMS relatively. More accurate then? Yeah, it's more accurate or more precise. I, I think actually you could say technically both. It's right. accurate and precise. And a huge advantage of it is for the pull sequence you're applying, it won't change depending on the patients. It actually doesn't care about the patient oh. model. So if you have a certain T1 set up, prescribed on me and right. you put on someone else that has a very different body size than me it, the b1 rms will not change but the sar w could be pretty different and typically right. hi like higher for bigger people right right yes because i noticed like there were there was a time um where you literally depended on the body weight that you put in Yes. would be how soon you would SAR out on the scanner. So sometimes, not that we ever did this, but we heard that people would exaggerate the yeah. body yeah. weight just to kind of... 
you know, get that past that. That would be unethical, that. Reggie. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so B1RMS seems like that's the solution to that because you at least get the... It will still start out, Energy. Uh, oh. So this B1RMS is most useful, at least in my experience, uh, right. with dealing with these uh, implants because they, they will have a SAR limit almost almost always and then sometimes they'll have a b1 rms the b1 rms one is an easier target to hit right in all of the cases i've ever encountered um and the other advantage of it with it is again if you change out patients that b1 rms number will not change is, right is well because so so the b1 rms is sounds like it's just solely kind of dependent on the energy that's actually being transmitted whereas the SAR is more of the energy in the body part that that energy is being absorbed in type uh, of thing. you're dancing around an idea that you know i could elucidate a little more which is so what is b1 rms like physically yeah i guess you have the transmitted rf and what you what what tips those what flips the flips what tips the tips hey. is is the <laughs> wraps on t-shirt yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what what makes those flips is the magnetic part of so like em electromagnetic waves are is oh, what right, light right. is that's what the rf is in right. that's doing the tipping right it's the magnetic part that does allows the tipping to happen now there's also associated with that because it is an electro electromagnetic um, radiation. It has. I've actually danced around. I'm trying to avoid waves. We can talk about wave later. That's, that's, <laughs> that's a nerd. That's a physics nerd problem. Is it? Is this our MRI system a wave RF wave? No, it's it's not. But that's like another thing. Anyway, the RF radiation has an electro and a magnetic part. The electro part is causing the heating, mm-hmm. the SAR, and the magnet part is doing the flipping and that's why b1 rms does not change but sar does and so let's unpack that idea so you have b1 rms is what's getting the flip angles you need to Mm -hmm. get whatever pull sequence you're applying at the moment that's again why it doesn't matter changing patients around because you always need that same flip angle to achieve the image contrast and whatever is going on in that pull sequence right but the amount of radiation you have to put in to make those flip angles happen on different people does change and then and then the SAR changes with that. Oh for sure. Um, no, that makes sense. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Is this normal conversation talk around the Thanksgiving dinner? Does your family get this? Uh, you said your your sister's I, into this. She yeah, she's a neuroscientist. Um so we, we talk about things she talks about. My wife has a <laughs> PhD in bioengineering, so Oh, talk nice. about those things. Uh, my father and his brother and a cousin on that side are physicians. Or, yeah, my father passed away, but um, yeah, his brother and that cousin have uh, MD. Yeah, I mean, like, it <laughs> Similar comes conversations, up. right? Yeah. Yeah. It comes up. <laughs> that is awesome. No, I know, uh, and I like to call it the SAR monster because once the SAR gets on you or on the patient per se, it's so much harder to kind of mitigate it, right? Uh, so what are some like kind of precursor things? I know we talked about flip angles and things like that. Like if you know that it's going to be a high SAR sequence, mm-hmm. like what are some of the mitigating factors that you can kind of preemptively kind of use to kind right. of keep that down? Right. Um, so in, for the context of me personally, it's usually when I'm trying to hit lower SAR targets and that's going to be Point ones are a bad day at the office. Point, point four, point eight, you can kind of work with that. And right. it, those are the fun challenges because, like, 
you don't feel totally futile. You can you can get something going. Um, what are the tools at your disposal? The easiest ones are, in my in my opinion, um, things that change the RF transmission itself. So different vendors have different technical solutions to doing it, but it either shapes the RF pulse a little differently or it plays out slower. It's kind of like these different strategies that are that they do. Those in my opinion, are close to for free in most, there, there's maybe some like physics ninjas out to slay me now, but yeah. those are for free. Um, no free lunch in MRI, There's no right? free lunch. There's no free lunch. But like, it's not going to mess with your contrast too much. Right. It's, it's, your SAR is just going to suddenly go down by a fair bit, uh, like throwing out a number, let's say 30%. Like it, it's a fair chunk down. Right. And um, it'll do things like make your slice profiles less precise and so you can get like uh, uh cross talk if your slices are not lined up nicely or you can get right. just thicker slices than what you intended like it'll say four millimeters thick slice and you're actually imaging something a little different Point two or something yeah, but, yeah you know just click that that tailored rf on ge or, right. or anyway like there's One the, the of, vendors yeah. have a little button you can click to activate that or a low sar mode on siemens i think is what i'm familiar with right um, nice. Those are close to for free. And then TR is like the straightforward, lazy option up until you're like ruining your T1 contrast and things like that. Right. And then there's... So TR, you would increase it, Dennis. Increase saying. TR. Right. Yeah. Now, one sort of catch of TR is um, you can image, say, for certain pull sequence setup, you can image, say, 10 slices. Now, if you increase TR, you can start imaging like 11, 12, 13 slices at once. Right. Say you're trying to catch... 30 slices. Now all of a sudden you're putting more slices within that. Within that. Yeah, yeah. And and that'll actually bump up your SAR, which gets us like that gets us to the point of like don't use auto TR if you're really uh, trying to tune this up. Right. And if you're so always going to bottom out your TR mm -hmm. every time. That makes sense. Yeah. And one more trick that's kind of coming to mind is along the lines of um doing less slices at once. So um, if you're imaging that those 30 slices, you might just have to break up into different series so that you're encoding only like five at the one time or, or something like that. Because as you encode more slices at once, that bumps up your SAR. Do you find that radiologists are helpful with reducing unnecessary imaging? Like, for example, like, yeah. hey, we don't need this sequence. Right, that's, a, that's a conversation of when you're, when you're looking at a protocol and you're looking at the vendor restrictions, you will might recognize this is either such a short time restricted or a low SAR. And that's where a conversation with the physician where either you can ask them to like look at the first few series and they'll decide, I need these ones. They call their shots, right? Um, and or even before they're on the patient is on the table, they, they might say, we might not need these, that kind of thing. Do you find the ones where they have the more difficult restrictions that they're usually uh, older devices or even the newer ones still have these restrictions? Mm, or are they mostly just off label? I, mean, <laughs> I think it is generally correct to say that um, older devices have trickier labeling um, right. to deal with. But yeah, there's new devices that once in a while have pretty restrictive labeling. Right. So is it frustrating for you when there's this stigma out there in MR that like pacemakers can't be scanned and aneurysm clips can't be scanned? And 
stimulators and these sort of things and, and here you're thinking wait a minute i would do this all day every day they can be scanned you just got to think outside the box with the right way uh... yeah that depends on your institutions like gestalt knowledge uh, like the support the, too yeah, right? support support yeah there's a yeah, lot there's a lot that goes into that eventuality of being able to do all of those things um me personally i've only been in the business um like i i haven't I've only worked as a clinical physicist uh, for a shorter period of time, so I'm not familiar familiar with like not being able to scan certain things like that. Right. So I, I actually don't share that experience. Is I guess what I'm what I'm saying. Well, it's kind of funny because uh, it is good to be able to reach those people, right? Because so. you, cause I know we we talked before, kind of off camera, of course, uh, about like your uh, your dissertation and you know what you worked on for your PhD and everything. And it's funny that we bring you on to talk about SAR and actually what you worked on. It's had a lot to do with kind of heating, right? Oh, of yeah. The body part. You want to talk about that a little bit? I think that's pretty cool. Oh, uh, so <laughs> Reggie's is talking about <laughs> MR temperature imaging. Temperature imaging, yeah. So of all, like what is an image? It's where you have contrast. And so contrast is like T1 contrast, T2 contrast. One of the amazing things MR can do is temperature contrast. Well, how does that happen? Um, gosh. Um, <laughs> Sorry, it, I put you on the spot. Yeah, <laughs> so temperature, um, if you do a phase image, um, and that means you have a bunch of pixels in an image and they each have, think of them as little clock dials. So you have a circle and you have a dial and they're, they're spinning around. Um, if, if there's no temperature change, the idea of this is that they don't experience a phase change. They, their clock dials do not turn. Now if, and that's like baseline temperature. If something heats up a degree, two, three, or in the case of like laser ablation and brain, it's like increase of 30-ish degrees those clock dials start spinning more and more and more. And you look at your baseline image where all the clock dials are pointing up. And as you compare like the second time point, the third time point, the fourth time point, you always look at your baseline. Those shifts that have happened are proportional to temperature. And it's pretty accurate and it's pretty fast in terms of you can get like plus or minus a degree Celsius accuracy-ish and a time realization of depends who's you know the need and the running but what, what's running but it's like 10 seconds per image to 30 seconds per image they're pretty quick so you have these like multi-slice temperature images of what's going on in and that's used for like monitoring laser ablation and brain or MR focused ultrasounds. Um, there's well, when we were talking about SAR just a second ago, I, I thought about it, and I was like, I wonder if this is how they're if they're using some sort of similar thing to like figure out if, what the device like. What is the two watts per kilogram factor in that type of device, uh, right? Like how? Why is it two watts per kilo? Yeah, like how do they decide? All right, this temperature this is, is too much. Let's keep reaching it at, at the SAR. bottom of this is like me semi speculating. So like grain of salt time, but it's my understanding that the F the IEC, there's this International Electrotechnical Commission, IEC. They have a bunch of very smart people, so physicians, physicists, techs, engineers from companies. It's a lot of engineers from the companies, is my rough understanding. And they get together and look at um, what standards should be in different... So there's like manufacturing standards. So that's, that's why two watts per kilo is applicable to GE, Siemens, Philips, all of them, because they're all under 
they're manufacturing their devices according to the IEC standard. And that standard, why is it two watts per kilo, is, uh, is to keep like the, something like you don't want the core body temperature to go up more than a degree Celsius. And like the periphery, it might be two or three degrees Celsius in the arms, mm -hmm. in the extremities. Um, and it's, it's sort of this model of for a, and there, there's actually very specific assumptions about this model as I kind of am recollecting. It's like a 25 degree Celsius room with even like a certain humidity set. So that way they're not like sweating through 80 degree humid or 80% humidity. Like there's even a humidity setting for this. And under that model, if you irradiate a person at normal mode, at two watts per kilo for a certain long period of time, they will not ever exceed that one degree Celsius. Or like what, go, go look it up yourself. It's kind of like what I'm saying, but yeah. like it's, it's modeled after that kind of idea. And then first level mode, um, they'll eventually start heating up if you. Right. Well, and then when they determine a, a device is unsafe, mm -hmm. right, did not that they've been scanned and they realize, okay, we can't do this in, for, on anyone else. It's like, it's actually going through the similar model, right? The same, hey, this yeah. is going through so the roof. So a lot of the testing comes from ASTM is kind of like what I'm familiar with. Um, and they have testing standards of like, they have recommendations what helps is like, it goes back to if you're a device maker, you're going to the FDA and you want to label this device. Right. Um, you can point to, we tested this device using a ASTM standards and the FDA will respect that because they know what ASTM standards are. Right. Um, and sort of, this is sort of like a general plug for like standards in your life everywhere. So like there's standards <laughs> for the SAR from your cell phone, by the way, that's kind of, kind oh, of weird. Like there's testing. That's, that's a nice little, yeah. Yeah, there's SARS everywhere and, and there's like certain testing standards for that or like. So SAR monster is real. The SAR monster, it's, it's everywhere. <laughs> uh, it's in the dark right over there. Um, and, and so the idea is that because you tested your device under those standards, the FDA will recognize what that means. I see. Nice. Wow. Now I know, man. I, I, I didn't come prepared to like, just yeah, spew, to, no, to spout good. lore on that. <laughs> we like it. No, yeah. this is good. Yeah. Any other questions? Well, I mean, we dove into SAR quite a bit. That's, we sure wanted to cover that on today's topic. Right. Do you think that we didn't cover anything? We didn't talk about SED. Okay. So oh, specific yeah. energy dose, yeah. that is just SAR multiplied by time. Think of it as the quantity of energy dumped in. Okay. And another way of thinking about it is power, SAR. Power is like a river, and SED is like it being collected in a lake or something uh, like that. It's like that it's filling, filling it up. And there are now, the IEC now has a limit for SED, which is... Something like 14 kilojoules per kilogram. In what time frame, though? And, so, and that's exactly the right way to think about it, Robert, is, is that um, it would take, at normal mode, so four watts per kilo, it takes about an hour. Maybe it does exactly. Again, look it up. It takes like exactly an hour to hit that SED limit. Um, mm. And that's for these very new MRIs that have that in their software to be tracking SED. SED, right. And it'll, it'll go ding. And you have to <laughs> pause. They have to pause and, and do stuff. So what does SED mean, though? I, right now, um, I haven't actually had to work with SED in like a meaningful way. And that's, uh, what do I mean by that? I mean that um, 
So SAR, if it's way too high, you could you can imagine I'm going to burn this person or right. or that kind of thing. With SED, with way too much, it's always about what time frame did I dump that energy in. And why is SED a good idea? It makes sense to me from the standpoint that like if you've hit the SED limit, you've scanned them for an hour at four watts per kilo, you should probably like check out what's going on. <laughs> like that's that makes sense to me. And more importantly, are people with thermoregulatory limitations, which we actually even mentioned yet. Is, you know, I'm curious oh, about that yeah. because I've had this conversation multiple times. So would a severe fever be a contraindication Absolutely. in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, yes. Yeah. Right. That's funny because I've had this scenario happen multiple times where I, as the tech, said maybe we shouldn't scan this patient right now because they have a severe fever being 101 or right. plus. Yep. And I was you know, questioned by my peers, like, where have you heard this? Why would we not? And I'm like, well, why wouldn't, I mean, we're putting them in a microwave essentially. Right. So um, we mentioned that like the goal for normal mode is not to raise the core body temperature by more than like a degree C. Again, whatever the true standard is, right. it, it is what it is. But there's this amount you're not trying to exceed. And with a fever, they've already exceeded they've that already amount. exceeded that. Right, right, you're already starting at a disadvantage. And, <laughs> right. Um, their body isn't going to be able to dump that heat off as easily. Um, other things like sometimes diabetes, sometimes right. like pregnant patients. They anyway, there's all sorts of reasons. Right. I'll tell you a funny like, story, a quick one. Not funny, but more <laughs> frustrating for me. But I had a yeah, same plenty thing. of frustrating I had a patient, stories. One hundred one plus fever. It was an inpatient in a different facility. Won't name names, but um, <laughs> the place that I work had a three T and a one five. Well, they wanted me to send for this patient. I told them no, and. And then I'm being questioned by my peers, why didn't you send for this patient? And then I tell them, and then they said, find me this info that says we can't scan them if they have a uh, high fever. And I said, okay, well, I, so in the time for me to look for it, it took more than 24 hours to find this info. <laughs> well, I come back the next day and they've got that patient on the table. And I said, oh, did the fever go down? And they said, no. <laughs> I'm like, well, what? And you, put, and you put them on the 3T when you could have put on the 1.5. And I look in the room and I said that they're covered in warm blankets. I'm like, so you gave somebody with a severe fever mm -hmm. warm blankets, put them on a 3T and scan them for an hour? I'm like, yep. okay. Right. right. Okay. Uh, and, you know, and what are the risks of going beyond the SAR limits, right? Like, Yeah. Um, well, it's, it's thermal, thermal damage to the, the body, which is often going to manifest in the skin quickest so like where do burns come from one is like current loops that's where you have like think of a copper wire a loop oh, right, right. and because of the induction in that environment it can start a current going in that and that will cause a burn but i've been mostly talking from the perspective of it a, a very lazy analogy is just being in, an, in a microwave like you're right. you're just heating up everything that's in there from the from the mri and uh well, I'm, I'm kind of blanking on like it's you're just heating. Right? Yeah, you're just heating everything up. And but, the, but when they want like a defined like, well, tell me where I can't do this. And it's like, well, I, I, I'm going to need a little bit of time to find that info. But and that's right. But, I, was, I would say I, I encourage people if you're dealing with the idea of a fever, you, you'd need the things that I would consider doing is in a you know different practices, different procedures, but. Right. Um, you might talk to the physician of the risk benefit of getting that image. Um, you might look up how high their fever is, you know, these kinds of things. What type of sequences you're going to be running on them. Well, right. And then, too, like when you put someone like that in the scanner, 
does a scanner right off the bat know that this person's at like 101 degree temperature, all. right? No. So uh, it's going to base it off of a, a, the wrong baseline, right? Like a, that's right. a flat baseline where it's not really... And I think that's the important thing. It doesn't right. necessarily mean that putting a person with a highish fever is going to necessarily lead to burns, but the risk is... Drastic increase. Is right. increased. Yeah, that's right. Um, and we also... You'd mentioned 3T versus 1.5. That's absolutely yeah. a reason. So that's also a square relationship. So flip angle, if you go from 90 to 180, you doubled the flip angle, you quadrupled the SAR. Same thing with um, for, for field strength. So if you go wow. from 1.5 to 3T, it's about four times as much. Wow. Nice. Yeah, I do kind of want to backtrack for a second. You said that temperature imaging kind of intrigued me quite mm-hmm. a bit. I never yeah, really me too. I was like, never heard anything about that. So, <laughs> yeah. so super cool. Very specialized. Yeah. <laughs> Mind you, I just heard about it right now. So yeah. in my mind, it's still processing it, right? So I'm trying Might to visualize it. <laughs> no, right. Are you talking about actual imaging that temperature differences will actually create the contrast in itself in yes. within the image? Okay. So that said, now I'm thinking, how could this be? use in clinical use right so one way i'm thinking is like you know i know when we do anesthesia patients mm-hmm. and we're concerned about rf burns mm-hmm. you know usually it's in the shoulders and it depends on yeah. if they're big and they're touching the board and by right. the way you should always put pads in make sure that they're not touching the board but right. um but what we do and at our facility to. every 10 minutes we go in we do temperature checks and really what we're doing is we're literally with our bare hands feeling their bare skin to see if there's an increase in temperature it's very subjective mm-hmm. um but i'm wondering if you could just do like a quantify 20 second Right, look, if you will, an image yeah. of it. See where the hot spots are, because I'm picturing it would look somewhat similar to like a PET scan or something, right? Like a temperature map, right? It, it looks like well, the way you yeah. typically display them are looks like a flur, looks like a temperature image. Yeah, like, like almost red, like a Doppler. Red, red green, is hot, green, yeah, yeah. yellows. Yeah, like a Doppler. Like a Jackson Pollock. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But um, but like that would be uh, that'd be probably a pretty good practical use for it, like to actually check for skin. Like, what do you? What's your thoughts on that? Uh, would that be applicable? Like it's. And that is less subjective. It's more defined, right? Like, because if so I go in there and I say, it 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 right time some of the limitations too, right? of this technology, um, it needs a baseline, and so. Um, you have to. You always have to like look back to whatever your baseline was at the beginning of the imaging, and usually there's things that the scanner's doing that will break that baseline. That's like, that's one of the primary challenges to like actually using this technology. And to some degree, I, I would hope it's easier just to feel their skin and you ju- you just know that it's hot and sweaty or not. Um, but again, about but like, but what about like when you got the skin to scan on a larger patient mm-hmm. uh, with the thighs or something like that? And you're it's, maybe not always thinking to check that. Right. You know, you're always looking the shoulders or the elbows. Well, then you have to like move the table and then image there. All of these things are going to break a baseline. Oh, oh right. I see what you're saying. Right. Because you got to be oh, ISO. You took the yeah. fun out of it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Man, I like how you think. I still though. feel like there's, you know, like it could be developed could into, into like real world use. Right. And, and it is for mostly monitoring these like thermal ablations. And then I'm also wondering oh, again. Right how would this be used and like what could it be indicative of like for example my mind i'm wondering if like maybe like if a patient has a uh, some sort of infection in their body Mm -hmm. if that is a different temperature people have looked at this to try and diagnose breast cancer a little bit okay Um, oh nice not all that 
successful. Sorry if someone's working on it right now. I, I bet you're doing great work. But, but, um, you can tell you're a scientist. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, they... Um, one idea out there for diagnosing breast cancer is to use a very precise thermal IR camera. And oh. for very surface level activity, yeah. cancer activity, you can kind of find it. And the idea is maybe you can do the same thing with these MRIs. Uh, to my knowledge, that's not really a, a thing I would try doing. Well, I, well, and I feel like, too, with the whole... The whole idea of let's get higher field strength, higher field strength, higher field strength. I mm-hmm. saw it's going to play a bigger role every time, right? It is. I, That's I, actually I wanted to kind of touch up on one 7T. Of, one of the biggest um, challenges for 7T, and in my last recollection, it's only FDA cleared at 7T for head and knee. Part of that is to do with you can get with head and knee, where, where are the transmit coils? TR coils for those that's had an E already, right. so you can like <laughs> exactly. keep the SAR right there. <laughs> One of the more critical so technologies true. out there is what's called parallel transmit. Oh yeah, parallel transmit is on even 3T scanners right now, um, and it's a really good. I, it's a tech that I like a lot. Um, right. uh, I like it for other reasons than just SAR, but one of the advantages for SAR is um, if you have one RF excitation pattern and another one that's like complementary to it, you can shape it to where you can get the flip angles you need in your imaging area while not having too much SAR on the surface, on the edges. Yeah. So if you have one, let's talk about one transmit. You'll, right. you'll get your flip angles that you need in the middle and on the edge, um, you aren't really imaging or you don't care about it and those flip angles and the SAR and the B1 RMS can be pretty different than what you're intending to image. When you look at 7T, that is like exaggerated that it's very much this this pattern is exaggerated and so that's why they've moved to parallel transmit solutions man that's super cool yeah and then when you add up all those different components it makes the shape you want right i've seen it used for like ic's and things like that to kind of just get that zoomed in view Mm -hmm. for your ic's and not have to worry about everything else and still have a super high resolution which is uh really nice and um i feel like they reformat so much better too when Mm -hmm. it uh you know, use the parallel transmit. But that's cool. I didn't know it could be utilized to help with, you know, the spread of SAR. That's right. right. That's, that's so yeah. interesting. Nice. Or there's some really low field things coming out. So there's there's like a, um, it's just for head and it's mostly for like a neuro ICU situation. There's this like permanent magnet um, oh, yeah, base yeah, thing yeah. that you could wheel around in a, an ICU environment. And hyper, it has really. Hyper something. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, it has low SAR or 0.5 T is like an idea that might come out um, and that would have really low SAR oh nice so the key really to SAR is pretty much use the lower field that you have pretty much yeah 1.5 is you know most places you're gonna use your 1.5 right nice and that's the same for implants right so which I feel like SAR is synonymous with implants. Labeling, yeah, the labeling for those implants is going to say. It's going to say 1.5 or mm-hmm. something, right? Nice. Interesting stuff. I don't know why my family thinks this is boring. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly don't, but I think we kind of covered it, right? I mean, do yeah. you think we did? I do want to kind of just end the conversation with the fun part, a fun segment. Um, let people get to know the fun side of you. Yeah. Let me pull it up. Go ahead and fill this awkward case space time 
Uh, I had it. Where'd it go? Ah. Did you flip the angle? <laughs> oh, that's a lame. <laughs> there we go. So, uh, lightning round. This is just really quick. Okay. Okay. Can we call it like pulse? We got to work on lightning round name. All right, we'll go ahead. <laughs> I like it though. Come on, think of it. Well, something more MRI related, right? What would you say? Haste. Ooh. <laughs> With no delay. He looks like that in the There's a pulse sequence abbreviation for every everything you ever cared about. <laughs> right. Haste it is. Yeah. All right. There, text. Going real quick. Texting yeah. or talking? Uh, talking. Favorite day of the week. Thursday, if I'm not just going to say Saturday. That's my right. worst day, but... Uh, <laughs> favorite city in the U.S. besides the one you live in? Ooh. Uh, I mean, I liked living in Houston while I was going to grad school. Nice. Nickname your parents used to call you? Uh, Sam, but not Sammy. I can tell you what it was not. Not Sammy. Okay. But just Sam. <laughs> just Sam. Okay, okay. Last song you downloaded? Hmm... Andrew Bird's, and now I'm kind of blinking. Uh, well, Andrew Bird is the artist. Okay. Uh, would you rather be able to speak every language in the world or talk to animals? Talk to animals, because you can always translate to people. Yeah. By the way, thanks for playing along and not thinking this is a <laughs> <laughs> uh, favorite holiday. Oh, I'm getting angry every minute. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, hmm. Da, 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 da. I like Thanksgiving a lot. I, I thought you were going to say wife's birthday, but... Uh. Oh, man. <laughs> no, it's just... Uh, so I wanted to ask you what your first favorite... Or your first celebrity crush is. Never. Really? Never. You never had a poster up on your wall? No. J-Lo? You were j Deny it all. J-Lo, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, well... Take the fun out of it. Favorite junk food? Don't tell me you don't eat junk food. Uh, favorite junk food... <laughs> I mean, I had some onion rings with hey. that. I was like, man, I've been missing onion rings, like good beer battered onion rings. Ooh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Do you do it with ketchup? I don't like lots of pepper. Yeah. Ranch. Uh, uh, I'm not a dip kind of person. Oh, okay. Understandable. <laughs> I'm I mean, definitely a dip kind of a guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, but definitely not ketchup. All right. Well, that pretty much covers it. Reggie, <laughs> anything to say before we let them out? Yo, thank you for joining us. It's yeah. great. Uh, I know the SAR monster hunts a lot of us MRI techs out there, especially if you have a three T at your facility. So uh, hopefully this will help out a few people for sure. And not everybody has a Dr. Fahrenholtz in his exactly. on his shoulder, right? <laughs> uh, thank you, Dr. Fahrenholtz. We appreciate your time, and uh, thank you to the audience. We appreciate you guys yes. watching. We thank appreciate you, you subscribing. Please tell your friends about us hit like i think we have a merch store i don't know reggie yeah anything else uh zone three podcast we are out bye good <laughs>